This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. This kid came up to me and actually asked me, like, do you really have horns? I couldn't believe that they could see Jewish people that way. That's an excerpt from the animated short movie The Basketball Game by filmmaker Hart Snyder of Vancouver. And it tells the incredible, true story of what happened to Snyder and his bunkmates at Alberta's Camp BB Reback in Pine Lake nearly 40 years ago, during the summer after a notorious teacher named Jim Keekstra from the nearby town of Eckville, Alberta, got fired for turning his high school social science lessons into brainwashing lessons against Jews. For years, Keekstra had taught that Jews were evil, that Hitler was right, and all sorts of conspiracy theories that the Holocaust was fake. He was eventually convicted of hate speech against Jews, but that would take a few years, and in the meantime, the local Jewish communities in Alberta felt they should try to do something to help Keekstra's students learn the truth. And so, as unbelievable as it may sound today, some of Keekstra's students got invited to the camp for a picnic and a basketball game. Whenever I told the story, amazed that the two communities opened up to each other to plan something like this. Like as much as like something crazy happened to me that day, it was the the willingness to try to not just um, you know believe in all these horrible things about each other, but to work with each other and to try and get the kids to kind of like work it out like kids do and and just have fun together. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, November the 3rd, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Jim Keekstra's name brings back very bad memories for lots of Canadians, especially for Jews who lived in Edmonton and Calgary and Red Deer in the 1980s and 90s. Keekstra lived in the small town of Eckville, which isn't far from the Jewish summer camp. He was eventually fired. He lost his teaching license and his job as the town mayor. Although he was very popular with lots of people who agreed with his views. He died eight years ago in 2014. Until now, the story of how the Jewish community reached out to the kids of Eckville hasn't been widely told. Hart Snyder was nine when it happened. He was so afraid of the anti-Semitic students, he imagined they were monsters who would destroy him on the basketball court. Although the film he made came out years ago, Snyder's put the story into a new graphic novel. It's just come out in time for Holocaust Education Month. I caught up with him recently to talk about why the message of his book is so timely. Well, it's great to meet you. Congratulations on the launch of your book, which I have a a wonderful copy here. How's the reception been so far? Uh, It's been really exciting. It's just starting to make its way out into the world. And I'm starting to hear from friends and family and people who were there that day and also people who are just finding out the story for the first time and reaching out to me, including teachers, which is uh, one of the kind of the perfect place, I think, for the book. All right. If people haven't seen the animated film, which came out a decade ago, then we should just give them a little Coles notes, spark notes summary of, of what the book is about. Yeah. Well, if I was, I'm a film editor of documentaries. So if I was editing this, I would play a little clip from the, 
film here. In a nearby small town, the mayor, who was also a social studies teacher, was teaching his classes that there was a Jewish conspiracy behind everything bad that happened in the world. Then I would say it's a story from back in 1983 when I was nine years old. I was going to Jewish uh, overnight camp, summer camp, for the first time. Camp EB in Pine Lake, Alberta. And it's the same camp my parents both went to growing up. So it's, uh, it's a tradition in the community for uh, Alberta, but also Saskatchewan, even Manitoba, BC people come, Ontario. And back in 1983, it was also this unfortunate story of Jim Keekstra was getting out into the news. And that summer, in the midst of all of this stuff happening and kind of the world's attention on Eckville, the Edmonton Jewish community and the camp director, Bill Meloff, and um, uh, the Calgary Jewish community, people got together and talked about what can we do for the students who Keekster had taught, who had been lied to so much and didn't know what to compare it to because this was the social studies teacher teaching it to you. And one of the things he taught was, don't believe what anyone else says. I'm the only one who knows the truth. So how do you break out of that type of thinking? How do you deconstruct all those stereotypes that had been taught? A few different things were tried, including bringing them to Vancouver for a Holocaust symposium. There was a National Film Board documentary was played at the high school in Eckville about the Holocaust. Um, different speakers came. But apart from all these sort of more public things, the Eckville parents and the school got together with the Jewish community and planned a day just to bring kids from the school to Camp BB and participate in a day of fun and fellowship and a picnic and some sports and just let them, because none of them had ever, they'd heard all of this stuff and had never really met Jewish people before, especially their own age. And so that's the story of the basketball game is, is me that day taking part in these activities and how my feelings were at the start of the day towards and kind of changed over the day. So hard. I mean, I, of course, identify with that because when I was 16 and went away to school for the first time in university and my roommate came from Summerland, BC, I'm not going to mention her name. The first thing she said when I walked into our room was, where are your horns? And it set uh. me off for my entire life until today on how I reacted, how it made me feel. Uh, I've never really told anybody about this. So here you are mm. hearing about this. So okay, I, wow. I get you as far as my old roommate, if she ever hears this. Um, yeah, I'd love <laughs> to hear from you. <laughs> I never wished anything bad. I just could not deal uh, with the fact that she had no, I, I remember. And I didn't know how to deal with it at the time. We weren't. Well, it's so scary. We weren't. It wasn't <laughs> scary so much as we literally were not equipped. I, I'll never forget that feeling, feeling like something was wrong with me. Something was dirty. Some I was wrong instead of her being wrong going, you know, mm-hmm. in those days. So, yeah. Anyway, you know, are, are you surprised that the story has resonance now when it was, I mean, you're obviously a lot, it happened 40 years ago, right? And so... Unfortunately, as the years went on, uh, I started to notice more and more and more things that I'd only learned from researching Jim Keekstra and, and some of the stuff he taught in his class. I was starting to see pop up in on the news and everyday conversation. And I was like, this is crazy. I wouldn't even know uh, terms like, like, like global elites 
that I hear all the, seemingly all the time now, or New World Order, people are talking about the Illuminati, like these are things Keekstra taught about with his anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, and they've become sort of the language in politics these days. And I find that scary, and I think um, we need to talk about it and talk about what the roots of all those things are, what they're euphemisms for. I want to mention, you mentioned Bill. How unusual do you think it is in today, looking back, for someone to bring in people who are taught to hate you and expose them at a camp with Jewish kids? He was like a big character in in my life growing up. Um, Good friend of the family, lived on the same street, so I saw him all the time. Um, But he also worked with my father at the University of Alberta. Uh, They were both professors in the sociology department, but he was also the camp director. He was also uh, very much a cowboy who was a cattle auctioneer and was just like so cool to me growing up. When this whole thing happened, I think it probably took a lot of chutzpah to suggest a thing like this and to pull it off and to just be kind of neighborly about it and very like, well, we're all from Alberta, what are What's the big deal? Let's have a barbecue and get together. I think probably uh, him and his wife, Rivi, who are the co-camp directors, I think they brought something special probably to it that that um, made it sort of a warm occasion for everybody, despite us all being like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. But were the parents yeah. OK with it? I, I think it's quite there would be a lot of nasty emails going back and forth. I th- I can imagine today that that this either wouldn't have happened or would have caused more of a sensation. But because today there is no, let's do this outside of the eye of the media, you know, everything is kind of mediated in a different way. But I talked to other Camp BB kids who were there that day and what their memories were. And it was pretty neat as um, I made the film, showed it to people, talked to more people about their memories there were certain elements that I really hung on to all these years later. And when I talked to someone else who also remembered it, it was those same things. It was the buses first pulling in and them stepping off and the kind of like what's about to happen feeling. So everybody, there was a lot of heightened feelings that day. And today, have you heard from any of the kids who were on the Eckville team, like the, the Keekstra kids? I actually don't. And I'm asked this all the time and I would love it if I could speak to somebody, but at the same time, I have to respect that they got a lot of media attention as teenagers and went through um, having to appear in court and reading out their schoolwork and all sorts of things that I can't imagine. As an adult, I see Danny's point, who I put in the book um, much more, which was at the time I was really scared of Eckville and anyone from Eckville. But my friend Danny saw it more as like, it's not their fault. It was this guy, who t- their teacher put all these ideas in their head. If you want to go back for a minute to the, the part here where- uh, This kid came up to me and actually asked me, like, do you really have horns? And then later he said something- This kid said to me at one point, hey, nice shot. I wouldn't say to make up for it, but you took it as, I guess, a peace offering or an olive branch or whatever you want to call it. Maybe you want to tell me now, did you feel that way then? And today, how do you feel about that reaction now? I totally remember being at the start of the game, terrified of what was about to happen and not wanting anyone to come too close to me. 
during the game. And then I remember this kind of feeling like that was easing and I was worried more about where's the ball, where, who am I guarding, you know, like what's, what's going on in the game. And that, Hey, nice shot is just like, I see you, you're another kid, you're a player. That was cool. You know, and just as people reaching out to each other on that level and not being these big grandiose ideas that were taught at school. I mean, it's an interesting time, I guess, to be talking about this between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, but I think forgiveness is something probably that is a big thing. It's something you have to work on. It's something that isn't going to be solved in a picnic, in a basketball game. But I think um, opening up people's eyes to a different road um, I think that was probably the goal of it. It wasn't that we're going to solve all the problems. And I don't think the book can solve all the problems of what's brought up with one nice comment. But I think that transformation of I'm a demon and I have horns and you're a Nazi or you're a skinhead because you're from Eckville. I think we kind of poke a hole in that if we can see each other at least and, and start on the road, the road to all that self work to deal with all this stuff. What advice do you have for Jewish kids today who have to mm. deal with someone that says, wear your horns or do the Heil Hitler salute at your face in the classroom just to get a rise out of you, right? They may not yeah. actually know what it means, but they know it's bad. But they know it's bad. Yeah, I, growing up back in Alberta, did have to deal with things that I felt like I was too young to even understand what was going on. And I don't think it gets easier, but I think showing um, at a, uh, I think it was BBYO get together in uh, Alberta, they had screened the film and then had a big talk about what everybody had had to deal with uh, on a personal level. And it really, there were some stories that, um, someone who was at the event reached out to me and was just like, you won't believe kind of what went on yesterday. And so I don't know an answer about what you do in that situation, but hopefully part of the healing from that is being able to talk about it and share. I don't know that there's some like perfect thing you can do in the moment that's going to make it stop. But a lot of times in my life, I've been told, oh, you're the first Jewish person I've ever met. Um, and I think that's just part of growing up in, in, in Edmonton, which had a small community and um, having to kind of like deconstruct some things for people once in a while where they were like, you know, I had these stereotypes and I'd be like, that's ridiculous. And, and like, talk, like talk to them about it, but obviously it has to be the right situation. You can't talk when someone's trying to get a rise out of you, but um, it's tough. By the way, Camp BB Reback shows Snyder's film every summer during a program about anti-Semitism. The camp director, Stacey Shakin, says he's trying to make it now so that every B'nai Mitzvah in Alberta gets a copy of the new book. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Jeffrey and Shirley Stutz. Jeffrey heard my report on the last LL flight leaving Toronto, and he promptly wrote a letter to the new owners in Israel asking for them to reconsider and reinstate the service to Canada. We'll see what LL says, if they even respond. 
And before you go, you can mark your calendars for this Sunday, November the 6th. I'll be in Toronto hosting a live conversation for Holocaust Education Week with second-generation kids of survivors. I'm interviewing Dori Eckstein about finding the Ukrainian farmers who helped hide her mother and grandparents in their barn during the Holocaust. We did a show about this earlier this year, and the link to that interview is in our show notes. Have a nice weekend. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.